Dale Rotan was walking down the street with his friend Richard Wormbrand. They came across the man who had betrayed Richard, resulting in him spending years in prison. And as we were walking, we saw a man on the opposite side of the street crossing over the street, coming. And then he and Richard embraced and kissed in Romanian style. And then he introduced me to him and him to me. And we walked away, and I said to Pastor Wormbrand, I said, you know, that's interesting. His name is the same name as the man who betrayed you. And without missing a beat, Richard said, Rotan, we all make mistakes. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Last week, we began a conversation with Dale Rotan. He's a missions mobilizer and one of the founders of Operation Mobilization. Last week, Dale began sharing some of his memories of time with Richard Wormbrand, who founded the Voice of the Martyrs. Richard spent 14 years in prison in communist Romania for his Christian activities. And I asked Dale Rotan if Richard talked a lot about his time in prison. He didn't dwell on that. He was a man who was always looking forward. What can we accomplish? What can we do for others? And uh, so he, he was uh, very temperate in that uh, area. Was that something that you asked about? What, did you want to know more or, and kind of maybe think it wasn't a good subject to raise? Or how did those conversations go? These things came up as uh, as we would talk with one another, but I got the idea that he didn't want to just sit down and say, look, here are all the things that I have suffered. Uh, but but he had obviously suffered, and he did he did show his scar. He showed that in the U.S. Senate, uh-huh. and he showed that to us privately as well because he had heard that in the West, people were saying, well, communism isn't so bad. That's just another philosophy and econ- economics and and that sort of thing. And he says, you know, the West has been diluted, and they have to understand what communism really is. One of the first countries he visited when he was released was Italy. And uh, he met a, a Baptist that was in Italy. And the Baptist told him, he said, I am a Baptist, and I am a communist. And Richard Wurmbach showed that, you know, that can't be. You can't be. I suspect that didn't go over well with Richard. No, not not at all. He failed to see the humor in that, for sure. You were with Richard one day when you encountered the man who had betrayed him, uh, literally resulting in these 14 years in prison and so much suffering. Tell us a little bit about that day and, and how Richard responded. Earlier that day, I visited the Wurmbrands in their place uh, there in Romania. They were still in Romania. And uh, I spent some, some time with them. And they were uh, talking among themselves in uh, Romanian, which I do not understand a word of. But I got the idea they were talking about some person. So I asked them, I said, who is this person that you're talking about? And Mrs. Wurmbrand said, Dale, this is the man who betrayed Richard. And because of that, Richard was 14 years in prison. So I thought, wow, you know, that's a real heavy thing. A few hours later, 
Pastor Wurmbrandt asked me, let's go for a walk. So we went for a walk. And as we were walking, we saw a man on the opposite side of the street crossing over the street, coming. And then he and Richard embraced and kissed in Romanian style. And then he introduced me to him and him to me. And we walked away, and I said to Pastor Wurmbrandt, I said, you know, that's interesting. His name is the same name as the man who betrayed you. And without missing a beat, Richard said, Rotan, we all make mistakes. So that's the way he was able to dismiss that mistake. And I think, you know, if anybody has injured me at all, I need to compare that with what Richard Wurmbrandt went through, and I should be able to forgive people pretty easily. How do you think he did that? Uh, because I, I th- I'm like you, you know, we look at some mm-hmm. small thing that we're having a hard mm-hmm. time letting go. Yeah, right. And here he went to prison for 14 years and yet is able to embrace this man. Is there a is there an explanation other than just, hey, God supernaturally allowed him to do that? He must have been totally convinced of the sovereignty of God, that God somehow would take even this thing and make something uh, good or powerful out of it. I've heard in other countries as well, I I can think of an instance in Turkey, I can think of an instance in India where a Christian was martyred. And and then you read on the front page of the newspaper pretty soon comes uh, the the wife of that man who was martyred uh, says that she forgives the ones. And uh, you just think, how in the world can you forgive someone who's done that ill to your husband, to your father, to your brother, to your son, whatever it is? But uh, God is able under all circumstances to triumph. And here you see it in real life. And I like how you pointed to the sovereignty of God, because out of those 14 years in prison grew Richard's faith grew what now is the voice of the martyrs reaching around the world. All of that comes out of those 14 years. Uh, And so obviously God had a plan the whole time. He could see the future and he knew all of this. Uh, But it's interesting that Richard was able to grasp a hold of that in such a way that he really could embrace the man that betrayed him and sent him off to prison. You were uh, you were involved in getting Sabina's Bible uh, after they were ransomed out of Romania and left. You were involved in helping get her Bible uh, from Romania out to her. Tell us tell us that story. One of our uh, Swedish ladies who worked with us in this business uh, for a number of years. Uh, I asked her. I said, "Would you bring uh, Mrs. Wurmbrandt's Bible out to the West?" They they had been bought out. They were living now in Western Europe, but uh, her Bible w- was left behind. So uh, so the lady uh, said, sure, I'll, I'll bring it. So she brought it and handed it to me in a plastic bag. And I asked her, I said, tell me, how did you do it? How did you get it out? She said, well, I just put it in this plastic bag and I got on a train and here I am. And I looked at the bag and what was written on the bag was old smuggler's whiskey. And I said, well, at least you were being open and honest about it. If you're going to smuggle a Bible, you should just label it smugglers. You have worked in, in communist countries. You've worked in Muslim nations as well. What are the differences in persecution 
in those two situations? And do you think one is is worse or better, or is it just kind of all persecution? Muslims seem to have more of a heart for for what they're doing. The communism, it was maybe more an intellectual thing. Both Islam and communism, uh, it's uh, intimidation. People, uh, you know, if they were really totally free to choose, uh, might end up totally different. We we, we lived among Muslims. We we had we had friends that we worked with who were killed. They were actually martyred. Um, why was that? The people doing that, they thought that they would merit a place in heaven. The communists were, were you know, obviously a very different set. In 1990, I was on one of the OM ships in Leningrad. It was still called Leningrad. And one day, we went out on the street and distributed 130,000 gospel leaflets. Wow. I don't think one was thrown on the ground. And we, we didn't run into some communists who said, you Christians are stupid. We, we didn't find anybody arguing against us. In a Muslim country, they would definitely argue against. They would definitely, their heart would be more in it, even though they're just as wrong as mm-hmm. the communists. But it's a, it's a very different thing. And, and, and communism fell quickly. It just disintegrated. They're the great champions were, were not there to uphold it. Whereas in Islam, it's been a brainwashing that uh, has kept them still believing in this, even though you do meet a good number of people from a Muslim background that are uh, amazed uh, by uh, this whole uh, thing of of Islam falling. They they think, you know, Islam is the way and, and they will do anything to defend it, to promote it. They have the great hope that the day will come when the world will be ruled by Islam. And there are many that still uh, still have that. And at the same time, there are also many that uh, despair of that. They think if this is if this is Islam, I don't want it. All of the fighting mm-hmm. and killing and and intimidation. What what kinds of things is Operation Mobilization doing today uh, in those Muslim countries? Well, basically two lines. One is uh, sharing the gospel. We believe that's the, the number one. But also trying to minister to people. All of this Islam that we have seen has caused incredible amount of suffering and physical suffering. When, when they see Voice of the Martyrs coming into their place, meeting their physical needs, it causes pause why is it that these Christians, they're helping their own, but they're not only helping their own, they're also helping us Muslims. We Muslims are causing their pain. And why are they the ones leading the way of, to, uh, to minister to all of us? It's interesting. We just a few weeks ago heard a story from one of our workers in the Middle East working with refugees from Syria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the ladies that we're helping made that statement. You know, the Muslims aren't helping us. Yeah. The Christians are. <laughs> Why? Why are you helping us? What What's going on? What's different? So it does, like you say, it gives an opportunity to come in and say, well, let me tell you what's different. Let me tell you how it's different. 
Absolutely. You started out your missionary career as a young man. Uh, I hope there's some people listening to us that are young Mm -hmm. and are maybe thinking, you know what? I think God might be working on my heart to do that too. I want to go to Mm -hmm. the nations. How would you advise them? How would you coach them as they're thinking and praying in that direction? You know, one of the most powerful teachings in the Bible is the just will live by faith. Now, that's referring to salvation, but it's also referring to our whole lifestyle. And our whole lifestyle is one of by faith. And what God wants to do in every one of our hearts is to plant a seed in our hearts to trust God for something bigger than we are. This is what I believe the heart of the Bible is all about. And the question is, what are you trusting God for? What could not be done, humanly speaking, but God could do it? And of course, it's the the whole unfolding of the good news of Jesus Christ, spiritually and also physically. Uh, Like Voice of the Martyrs, you you minister to the whole person. And, uh, and so each one of us, we should be thinking, praying, consulting, sit down with mature believers. How do you see God using me to further the good news around the world? We look at the world, the map, whatever color those comp- countries are, uh, there, there's so much dejection, so much despair, so much hopelessness. But there is a remedy, and that is God wants to use me. And, and so often we think, oh, but, you know, I'm not a preacher. I'm not this. I'm not that. Uh, but the Apostle Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. And it's when you get to that place where you say, hey, look, this is beyond me. I could never do it. But God can through me. And uh, so I would encourage everyone in the listening off audience, uh, trust God for something that's, that's bigger than you are something in the way of ministering to people that really need that ministry in the deepest way right now. And I think of the people in Muslim nations today, even in communist nations today, who are in that same situation. They, their life could be easier if they would just kind of go along, if they would yeah. you know, deny their faith, maybe come back to Islam, maybe come back to worshiping the spirits or whatever they used to worship. Uh, But they say, no, no, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. No matter what you do, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ, no matter what it costs me. Uh, What a great example Richard lived of that. Uh, And what a great example you have lived over the years of serving the Lord, taking the message to the nations. Uh, Dale Rotan, thank you very much for being our guest today. And thank you for your lifetime of service to the King. Thank you, and thanks to all in the listening audience, because I know that you guys are standing with Voice of the Martyrs, and we appreciate that. No end. That's Dale Rotan, the co-founder of Operation Mobilization. He's been telling us about the forgiveness and the heart for the gospel that he observed when he met Richard and Sabina Wormbrand in the 1960s. Richard and Sabina's legacy still lives on in the organization they founded, The Voice of the Martyrs. This program, VOM Radio, is a part of that movement that they founded to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters. We're going to hear more from Dale Rotan in just a minute. First, 
If you appreciate what you hear on VOM Radio, I'd love it if you'd let us know. A listener named Dee called and let us know why she appreciates what she hears on VOM Radio. I just wanted to call and thank you all so much for the amazing stories and for your dedication to the persecuted church. Uh, We love the persecuted church. We pray for them often, and we also pray for you all, and we just want to thank you. We are based in the Midwest, and we just want to say thank you all for all that you do. Take care, and God bless you. Those calls are an encouragement to me, an encouragement to the staff here at Voice of the Martyrs. If God has given you more of a heart for our persecuted brothers and sisters through the stories that we share each week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, would you let us know that? There's a comments link right on vomradio.net. Just look on the right-hand side and you can send us an email. You can send a comment to us. You can also call our comment line. It's one 800 757-5069. So you can get us information through our website, vomradio.net, or you can call us toll-free 1-800-757-5069. In the second half of our program today, we're going to hear more from Dale Rotan. Dale spoke to the staff here at Voice of the Martyrs during our chapel service, and he began by telling us about his first experiences working with the great missionary and the founder of Operation Mobilization, George Verwer. Uh, As was mentioned, I had the privilege of being with George on his very first trip to Mexico. We were all teenagers, all of us 19 years of age, and uh, didn't know uh, very much at all. But just by faith, we, we made trips down to Mexico, uh, we got st- fellow students from Moody Bible Institute, Wheaton College, other places as well, to go with us uh, down to, uh, to Mexico to distribute the gospel because the people in Mexico didn't have as much opportunity to hear the gospel as we did. So that was part of our, our mission, was taking students at Christmas and, and during the summers down to Mexico. But... That wasn't really the main thing, as it turned out. The main thing was we had weekly prayer meetings. When we were back at school, when school was in session, we not only attended classes, but every week we would get together and pray. We had maps of the world. We would lay on the floor, and we would pray for countries, and especially for the unreached countries, the Muslim world communist world, the Indian world, and uh, that became our passion. The the first trip that any of us made to a communist country was uh, in the summer of 1961. George Verwer and one other young man by the name of Roger Malstead went to the Soviet Union. They were arrested and uh, exported from the Soviet Union through through Czechoslovakia. But that was a little indication of where our hearts were to penetrate even those communist countries. But it it just seemed, humanly speaking, so difficult. Who were we? Just a few kids. What can we do for the communist communist world? The Lord used George in an amazing way to mobilize people, especially students, especially young people. And in the summers of 62 or 63, we had as many as 2,000 young people, mostly young people, not all young people, but mostly young people, 
over 2,000 that gave themselves for part of the summer of 62 or 63. Most of our energy was put into Western Europe, but the Middle East was very high on our agenda. George challenged uh, Elaine and myself uh, to go to Turkey. How did, how did he do that? We, as I mentioned, we had these, uh, these prayer meetings, uh, weekly prayer meetings. And some of those prayer meetings would go actually right through the night. And, uh, and George especially would be praying with a, all the fire that, was, that the Lord planted in his heart uh, for these Muslim countries, unreached places. Take the country of Turkey, for example. In uh, those uh, late 50s, we, we knew of only five believers among the Turkish people. Now, we trust that there were many more, but we can only talk about what we knew. We knew of five believers in the whole country from the Turkish group. There were some Greeks, some Armenians, some Arabs, we praise the Lord for them, that were believers. But among the, the Turkish people, we only knew of five. And it was in one of those prayer meetings, past midnight, I was getting groggy and ready to doze off to sleep. And I heard George give a prayer request. He said, pray for Dale. God is calling him to Turkey, but he doesn't know it yet. <laughs> and so with all of those people praying, uh, it, it actually did uh, end up happening. So the Middle East became a focal point. There was Turkey, there was Iran, there was Lebanon, Jordan, all those countries. But then George would insist that we all come back to Western Europe for the summer campaigns and for the autumn conference to make sure we're all on the same page. And so we were all to come back for the autumn uh, conferences. And as we would come back, as we would travel from Western Europe to um, the Middle East and back, hundreds of young people doing that, obviously, where do you pass through? You pass through these communist countries. And as I mentioned, we, we just, uh, uh, you know, they were, as you know, they were harassed by the government and by the people there. And, uh, and we met believers who didn't have Bibles, who didn't have Christian literature in the communist countries. And we saw the Lord was, was opening the door for us to be able to do a significant work. We had, the Lord sent to us carpenters and welders who could take a van or some truck and convert it into a Bible smuggling operation. And we were able to take in hundreds of Bibles in one drive by these people that the Lord, uh, that the Lord gave to us. And, uh, and it was just exciting. And that was exciting to be able to serve these dear people uh, who were suffering so much. But at the same time, there were challenges. And, and I think one of the greatest challenges were the believers, many of the believers. You know, it wasn't just one or two that went to prison for the Lord. There were many, many who were faithful to Jesus Christ and ready to take the consequences. Uh, I remember being at a pastor's lunch in uh, Poland, in Wa Warsaw. And this was the early 60s. This would have been in the early 60s. And I asked the pastor on my left, you know, by the way, 
Uh, some of these stories I tell, you'll think, boy, Dale, you, you surely are a foolish guy. You ask some pretty stupid questions of people. But I tell you, I'm just telling you the way, the way it was, literally, absolutely everything. Truth is important to us Christians. And when I tell you, maybe it makes me look like a silly guy, but, but that was the truth. Okay, so here I am, pastor's luncheon in Warszawa, in Warsaw, Poland. And I asked the pastor on my left, I said, tell me, have you ever been in prison? I was curious about this. And he said, yes, yes, yes. Then I asked the pastor on my right, I said, tell me, have you ever been in prison? He said, yeah, yes. And then the pastor seated opposite me, reached over, grabbed my hands, looked me in the eye and smiled. He said, don't ask. We've all been in prison. And that was a little snapshot of, of what it was like in the early 60s. You know, I really believe, I always believed when we were going behind the Iron Curtain, I always, I, I think naively believed, naively believed that they would not do anything to me. I thought they'll kick me out of the country. They'll confiscate my literature, maybe confiscate my van. But I, I didn't really have the fear that they would do something uh, against me. And so several times we asked national believers this question. We said, you know, if the communists catch us with all of this literature, we, we think they'll export us or something. But I said, I don't think they'll put me in prison for a long time. And I said, is it fair for us to put you in danger? Because for you, it will be serious. And do you know the answer that they always gave me? This was the answer. It is not fair of you to rob us the opportunity to suffer for our Lord. That's Dale Rotan speaking to the staff here at The Voice of the Martyrs. He'll be right back to pray. He's been looking back on some of the experiences that he's had, faithfully serving the Lord year after year, decade after decade. There's nothing more fulfilling than doing what God has called and created you to do. It might look different for different people. It might look different in different seasons of life. But God has created a role for each one of us. And there is incredible fulfillment and excitement and joy as we fulfill that role. My name is Todd Nettleton. Next week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we're going to hear from Dory, one of our staff members here at VOM who has just returned from China. And she's going to talk to us about some of the people she met there. I hope you'll be back with us next week to join us and hear Dory talk about her trip to China. When Dale Rotan finished speaking to the staff at Voice of the Martyrs, he prayed for the ministry. And if you're involved in praying for the persecuted church, I know that his prayer is reaching out to include you as well. Let's listen to Dale Rotan's prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for Richard, Sabina, the whole family. I thank you for every one of my brothers and sisters here. And Lord, that their deeds are ministering to people who are being persecuted. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus, just anoint it above and beyond, do far more than what we could ask or think. And Lord, you know there are people right now 
that are walking in the shoes of Richard and Sabina Wurmbrandt, and we pray for them. Oh, God, give them such grace and protection and blessing. May they see the hand of God. May they be released. And Lord, I just thank you for this organization right here. Protect them in every way. Bless them, encourage them, minister to them. Provide for them. May their prayer partners have a special anointing of prayer. Lord, we give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.